Welcome to another 1570 Project on this rainy Friday. It's good to talk to everyone. No guests tonight. It's all Alice all night. So I hope you're excited about that because I'm excited because I'm going to talk to you about something that I love to talk about, and that is school board meetings. Everyone loves a school board meeting, right? No? No, nobody loves school board meetings. I'm sorry. They're pretty exciting places. I mean, they affect, well, maybe they're not that exciting usually, but they've been pretty exciting lately in a lot of parts of the country. And on top of that, they're where a lot of your money gets spent. If you live in a place with property taxes, probably roughly half those property taxes, that's like the rule of thumb that I generally notice, probably about half of those property taxes that you pay are getting spent in some way, shape or form by the school board. So it's a pretty important place in terms of its impact on your life. These are the people who are, you know, negotiating the union contracts for the schools. These are people that are deciding the policies on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. These are the people who are figuring out, you know, what textbooks they're going to buy. I mean, they work with different committees and they work with the teachers. These are the people that hire your superintendents, who hire your principals and hire your teachers. So if you, like me, are getting emails from your school system with, uh, you know, people's pronouns in the email signatures from the elementary school administrators, then, uh, you know, that's something that your school board could have an impact on the policies surrounding that. And, uh, and that affects your kids, it affects your life. So I think school boards are really, really important. And um, I'm hoping I'm always hoping that other people will notice how important they are too, and decide to get involved in them. Now, lately, we've been seeing more and more of that happening across the country, which is fantastic. 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 First of all, schools' COVID policies have opened up avenues for a lot of parents to see kind of how school districts have been letting them down, how the decisions aren't made by people who have their best interests and their kids' best interests at heart. They're seeing that school districts are controlled by teachers' unions, by unelected administrators that have contracts. They're seeing that Schools make policies on the basis of what makes a bunch of union reps happy and not on the basis of what works for families and kids. We've even seen some school districts say back to parents that, you know, we're not here for you. This isn't this school district isn't here for you. This school district is here for us. We get to decide how to educate your kids. We're in charge now. And I think there's this sense on the left that school districts are sort of their natural purview. You know, I've worked with a bunch of people running for school board races over the years. And, you know, one of the things you hear is you hear people say like, well, I don't have kids. I don't vote in the school board races. Well, you should. You still should. So, People who don't have kids often get told not to run for school board or that they don't belong on school boards or that they shouldn't even like vote in the school board race because it doesn't affect them. Well, again, like I said, there's a tiny issue where a lot of us are spending a lot of our money to support the schools, even if we're not actually sending kids to them at the moment. Um, and especially families that opt to homeschool or do private school, you know, we're not only paying all the property taxes, but we're in effect doing the school district a favor by continuing to pay the property taxes and not costing them anything to educate our kids. So 
they're getting like a double payout when it comes to parents who live in town who aren't sending their kids into the public schools. Now, that's my reasoning on why everyone should care about school boards. On top of that, you'll hear people saying that you shouldn't be on the school board if you don't think we should be investing more money in education, that the only people who really belong on school boards are those who want to advocate to spend more money on the schools. Well, that's not how it works either. The town has a whole bunch of people in it. Anybody gets to run for school board and you can have whatever opinion you want. You can have the opinion that we shouldn't be spending more money on schools. You can be of the opinion that we spend way too much money on schools, that the school administration is bloated and we need to cut it back. That can be your opinion too. And you also, I'm telling you, you belong on the school board too because there are a lot of people in town whose views I'm sure you also represent. It doesn't just have to be people who want to spend more of your money. It doesn't just have to be, although a lot of liberals think that 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 is who belongs on school boards is, you know, people who like teachers unions, people who think a lot more money should be spent on education and people who think that, um, you know, we need more diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives in our schools. And Columbus was really bad. That's who the left thinks deep down belongs on their school boards. Now. They're a little upset. They're a little upset because they're sensing something in the air that maybe some people don't like how they're running the schools. It kind of all goes back. It started with COVID. The schools wouldn't open. They wouldn't open. They wouldn't open. They would maybe open a little bit. But your kid had to wear a mask and they had to sit yards away from every other kid and they couldn't move around the classroom and they had to wear masks at recess and every other thing. Now, who was making these decisions? The school board is making these decisions. That's who's making these decisions. And they're doing it in concert, of course, with teachers unions who are negotiating on behalf of teachers for whether or not teachers will come back under certain conditions. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's the school board's decision whether or not schools are open. It's the school board's decision what the mask policy is in your schools. It's the school board's decision whether your kid gets to go half days or full days or what. And a lot of parents started to be pretty unhappy with the decisions that were being made. You know, at first, it seemed reasonable, right? Two weeks okay, we can take two weeks off school to protect vulnerable people. We can wear masks if that helps. Um, we can do some of these things. But I mean, there were kids in America that didn't have an open school to go to for over a year. And parents didn't really like it. There are kids who are three, four, five years old wearing masks all day long from the time they get to school, often at eight in the morning, all the way until maybe an after-school program, three, four, five o'clock in the afternoon, wearing masks all day with maybe a break or two here or there. I mean, in our school district, kids were wearing masks at recess, at recess until the state lifted regulations to say that kids could be outside at recess and not have to wear a mask. It's really um, wild how far these restrictions went. And some parents started to show up in school districts and complain about masks. Um, then there came some other kind of 
unpopular policies going on. The Biden administration, the Department of Education changed the guidance around transgender students in school, around pronoun use, around name use, around notifying parents if a child decides to change gender identities at school, around which bathrooms and locker rooms to use, around which sports kids can play. And schools started to adopt these policies, and a lot of families didn't like them. You know, they're the ones paying for the schools. They're the ones sending their kids to the schools. They want some say in these policies. Then in comes critical race theory. Critical race theory was great. Everyone loved critical race theory until some people started not to like critical race theory so much. Critical race theory, of course, is the idea that um, it's not necessarily individual hatred and bigotry that drives uh oppression of black people in America and other minorities too, but it's actually systems of white supremacy and violence and racist ideologies that are holding black people down and that white people actually participate in these systems whether or not they think they're racist. And so white people need to feel guilty about this, the fact that they participate in these systems that are violent to black people. This is the critical race theory talking points. And they need to um, turn around and do things to dismantle these systems. You know, we had the whole Black Lives Matter reckoning last summer. We had Robin DiAngelo's book, White Fragility, flying off the shelves about the ways that white people need to address their inner racism to help dismantle systems of oppression. We have Ibram X. Kendi getting tens of thousands of dollars to consult with school districts. He was just at the American Federation of Teachers event. They bought a ton of his books to give to middle school and high school students. Now, he'll tell you, Ibram X. Kendi, that he's not a critical race theorist, but he's happy to espouse all the views of critical race theory. So, you know, some states decided to take things into their own hands, decided to move forward with laws that wouldn't let you teach kids they should feel bad about the color of their skin. They wouldn't let you teach kids that their the color of their skin is a defining aspect of who they are that determines how far they'll get in life. Um, I personally wouldn't think that that would be controversial in 2021, that we shouldn't teach kids to be racist. I think that would, you know, fall under the category of things we'd moved away from by now. But no, but no. And uh, in states that didn't have these laws, you see parents showing up at school board meetings and saying, we don't want these policies. We don't want these books being taught in our schools. We don't want these ideas being taught in our schools. We don't want you sitting here and telling little white kids that they're holding black people down and they need to step aside and move out of the way and feel guilty and renounce their whiteness in order to allow black students to achieve their potential. And on the flip side of that, parents don't want the school district telling little black kids that there are these huge insurmountable systems holding them back and any problems that they have are because they're black and white people are holding them down. This is not a recipe for a healthy society. This is not a recipe for healthy communities. This is not what people want their kids learning. And just like, you know, I'm a Christian. You guys know this. I love Jesus Christ and I believe that he died on the cross for me to resurrect all of us in the 
kingdom of heaven. However, a lot of people probably wouldn't want that taught in schools. So just like I believe that and that's my religious ideology, but I understand that we don't teach everyone that in school. The people who espouse this dangerous, crazy, critical race theory cult need to understand that they can have religious experiences renouncing their whiteness or being baptized at the martyrdom of George Floyd or whatever it is that they do in their religion. But I don't need you in my school system teaching my kids that because the idea that there's something out here called whiteness that systemically benefits all white people and is like this force that's in the air holding black people down. That's a religious belief. I'm sorry, but it is. If you want to talk about laws, if you want to talk about, you know, say how licensing laws that force people who do hair to do hours and hours of training in order to like do hair braiding and become a, a, a hairdresser that that holds black people back because they're not able to get jobs doing that. And you want to say we want to reform these licensing laws. I'm all for that. Let's have conversations about laws that are unfairly enforced on black people. Let's have a conversation about the fact that Eric Garner in New York was killed because he was selling a single cigarette. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's a law that shouldn't even be on the books. I'm with you there, 100%. Is that systemic racism? I don't know if it's systemic racism. I think the people who pass that law in New York are probably pretty liberal. So anyway, the people that espouse critical race theory are not interested in real solutions. They're not interested in, you know, fixing policies that hurt black people because they feel that there's this underlying whiteness, blackness, metaphysical dichotomy that's going to continue to exist even if you change the laws, even if you change things. And I think that that's demonstrably false. Because if you look at the situation for black people in America, how it's changed over the last 150, 200 years, you can clearly see that changing laws, changing policies, changing minds about other people, reducing actual real bigotry has had a huge impact on the well-being of black people in the United States. So I'm totally happy to talk about policy solutions um, to problems that afflict the black community more than the white community, because I think there are things like that that exist. But I'm not going to sit here and let you tell kids that their whiteness is like this original sin evil that infects them all and hurts everybody around them who's a person of color. I mean, this is the stuff that you see people saying. This is bunk. So just like I'm not going to ask the teachers to teach my religion in the schools. I just ask that the critical race theory religious nuts keep their religion out of the schools. Don't teach it to my kid. That's all. That should be an easy policy. I don't demand that you go in the schools and you teach that God created Adam and Eve in the garden and there were no dinosaurs. That's I don't. I don't ask anybody to teach that in the schools. And a lot of people would be rightfully outraged if I did demand that. Of course they would, because that's a religious belief. Critical race theory is also a religious belief. It should not be taught in schools. Anyway, turns out a lot of parents agree with me because they see this stuff for what it is. You can see this showing up in school districts across the country. Um, people have been speaking out about this. And they're not, by the way, they're not all white people. Uh, here we go. Here's a Ty Smith in Bloomington, Illinois, came to a meeting to speak out about critical race theory. 
When you talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other, that's pretty much what it's going to that's pretty much, I don't care what say, it's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids, this white kid right here got it better than you because he white? You're going to personally tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? How do I get, first of all, stand up, because I only got five minutes now, not five minutes. Two medical degrees, no mom, no dad in the house, worked my way through college, sat there and hustled my butt off to get through college. You're going to tell me somebody that looked like all y'all white folks kept me from doing that? Are you serious? Not one white person ever came to me and say, well, son, you're never going to be able to get nowhere because you know the black people. But guess what? What's sickening about this whole thing is what y'all doing right now is already something I do in my community right now to speak out against stuff because black folks are getting told by other black folks, oh, you know you ain't going to be able to do nothing out there in the world because them white folks ain't going to let you get nowhere. Oh, you know you're not going to be able to do it here because you know, white, the, the white man, the white man going to keep you down. Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You gonna sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Of this, this, this the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we're even talking about this right now. The last thing we're gonna say right here is something that's crazy. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their what? Character. Their character, not their skin. If they letting this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely doing the complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February come, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February come, don't talk about black history. Mother dog will sit there and just pee, must pee on his grave with this nonsense. That's exactly what's about to happen. Lastly, we are talking about our kids. We are talking about our children. What's so sickening about me, I love the Discovery Channel. You will see that on the Discovery Channel, animals will put their lives on the line to protect their children from danger. Nobody want to get to the heart of the matter, get to the meat of the matter, get to the moral of the story. It all comes down to it. The person that's going to be suffering from this, the one that's going to be hurt from this, is the kids. Ten years from now, if this stuff goes on, whose fault is it going to be? Whose fault is it going to be? Who are we going to look back on and blame for this? Because this is stuff we're talking about right now. This stuff is going on right now. I do this stuff on a daily basis. I'm in the hood. I'm in the communities. I'm out there with folks in their face. I've been doing stuff since I was 18 years old, talking to black folks. And you know what? None of them are buying this nonsense. None of them are. But if you want to implement this into the school system, I guarantee you to the day that I die, I'm going to be the very person right there debunking stuff, tearing stuff down, letting them know they can do exactly what I did and get exactly where I am by putting themselves to work and getting there. And ain't not one white person ever going to keep any of them from getting there. So the CRT stuff, BS. That again, Ty Smith, Bloomington, Illinois, right on, right on. Tell kids they can do anything. Have them grow up believing that they can do it and they'll be able to do it, you know, and teach them to grow to their strengths, to learn, to be curious, to be interesting, to be polite. This is what kids need. They don't need to be taught as Elmo on Sesame Street told us recently that the color of our skin is an important part of who we are. That's not that's not what Martin Luther King told people to believe. That's not what we want kids to grow up believing in America, that their success in life is determined by their skin color because of powerful, invisible forces that can hold them back. That's ridiculous. That's not an American value. That's witchcraft. It's like I said, it's a religion. It's a religious belief that, you know, only some people can get ahead in life. And, you know, somehow all the racism, all the white supremacy hasn't seemed to affect affected Asian kids in America in the same ways. It's it's a little curious to me that 
all this racism that supposedly holds some kids back and not others is only affecting certain ethnic groups. And, you know, you would think that, okay, well, anti-black racism is the worst in America. Well, fine. But, you know, some kids seem to be able to get ahead of all the racism. And in fact, Asian kids do routinely better than white kids in school. That's just what the numbers bear out. NPR did a big piece debunking how well Asian kids do in school, and it still showed that all the Asian groups that they showed still did, on average, better than white kids at school. So, you know, I'm not going to pretend I know what all the reasons for that are. I think they're very complex. I think there are cultural questions. I think, you know, a lot of Asian kids grow up in immigrant families, which tend to do very well in school. I think, you know, yeah, you can talk about fathers not being in the home because of the drug war. You can talk about things like that. But then I want to talk to you about actual policy solutions. What are actual policy solutions we can take to help fathers stay in the home? What are actual policy solutions we can take to make sure that kids grow up in two-parent families so that they can do better in life and do better in school and have the stability that means that they'll have a safety net behind them, a support system to fall back on? You know, that's something that Nobody ever wants to talk about. But if you want to talk about that, if you want to talk about real solutions and how we can make things better for black people in America, instead of sitting here talking to me about, you know, how we need to have kids sign a compact to renounce their whiteness, which is in this stupid book that they're having like 25 something school districts have already been shown to be teaching it in schools. I think it's in 12 different states so far. And that's just the ones that people know about have leaked to the media. I'm sure it's at even more. This stuff is nuts. It's toxic for our kids and parents see it. Here's another parent. Here's Ian Rice from Caledonia School District in Michigan. Hi, my name is Ian Rice. I've got two children here in the Caledonia School District. Um, it's very apparent here by all of the parents that have spoken that this board and the school district is failing. Um, more importantly, I came here to talk about critical race theory. This theory was never meant to be brought into grade schools, high schools, at all. It's actually taught in the collegiate atmosphere, and more importantly, the legal portion of the collegiate atmosphere, to see different laws through the lens of race from an ethics and, 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 and an ethical standpoint, right? Oh, they don't like that, using that, oh, it's not even taught in schools, it's only taught in law schools, and is your kid a third-year law student? And they're probably not going to see any critical race theory, <laughs> right? So they don't like that, using their talking points against them, but Ian Rice isn't done. Not for grade schools and high schoolers. The problem with bringing it to high school and grade school level is that we don't have the educators to properly teach these kids. Instead, they're using it as their own agenda to indoctrinate the kids to hate each other. And whether you believe that to be true or not, the reality is that's what's happening. Critical race theory is teaching that white people are bad. That's not true. That would teach my daughter that her mother is evil. You already have an educator within your staff that has pulled my daughter aside and said, well, you're a minority, so you know better than to engage in certain things. Okay. Wow. Wow. When I was brought to the school's attention, nothing happened to the educator. Instead, my daughter was brought in, and she was ridiculed. So my question is now, with critical race theory being brought in, what is your criteria to educate the educators? And who are you to educate my children, or any of our children, in life issues? That's our job. Yes. 
Your job is to teach them math and science. Our job is to teach them about life. I believe racial issues and tensions across the U.S. are nowhere near what they used to be decades ago. Do we have a long way to go? Sure. Do we still have individuals out there that need to be taught? Absolutely. But I believe the people here don't look at me as a black man. They look at me as a man standing in front of you addressing the issue that we all are very passionate about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right, Ian. Thank you. Thank you for saying it, since apparently school boards can't listen to white people saying anything. They can only listen to black people saying anything about critical race theory, because if you say anything about it and you're white, you must just be a bigot. At least maybe, I don't know, maybe some of them will listen when a black parent stands up and says this ideology is toxic and it's terrible and it's hurting our kids. So here, here, more of that. Keep showing up at the school districts. Keep talking about this. But not all the school districts are really that happy about this. School boards like to operate. They like to run their meetings smoothly. They don't want a lot of public comment. They don't want a lot of controversy. They don't want a lot of people paying close attention to what they're doing. That really bothers them. So you have situations happening like what happened in Loudoun County earlier this year, a month or two ago. We had Loudoun County where the school board meeting descended into chaos. So they were talking about two specific things at the school board meeting, both critical race theory and they were talking about the new transgender student policy, which involved mandating that everybody use uh, preferred pronouns and new names and everything for kids. And you're forcing them to lie about other kids' gender. The moment came after remarks by former state Senator Dick Black, 51st in a list of 249 speakers for the public comment session of the Loudoun County School Board meeting. There's been a motion to end public comment. Is there a second? I second. After repeated warnings against audience outbursts. The board voted to end the comments session. Yeah, you got to end the comment session. You can't just have people commenting on what the school board's doing. You can't have the parents and the constituents whose money is being spent, whose kids are spending time in the school building. You can't have them showing up to check up on you and tell you how they want things run. They're not in charge of this. No, no, no. You got to end the public comment section now. Phew. Thank goodness we got them out of here. And, and the room descended into chaos. Uh -oh. Loudoun County Sheriff's deputies declared an unlawful assembly. That seems reasonable. That seems reasonable. You invite a bunch of people to come comment on your public meeting, a meeting that by law is public and allows public comment. You have all the parents show up. You would think, you would think the school district would be happy to have such an engaged community so interested in what's going on in the schools. No, no, no. No, that's not how this works. We end public comment, and if you don't leave, we call the police. That's how this works. At least one person was physically removed from the room by deputies. No. News 4 saw this man being held in custody outside the building. Virginia state troopers arrived as backup. People spilled out of the building. Some who had gotten a chance to comment criticized the school system's racial equity policies. Others had been planning to comment on a proposed new policy that would affect staff use of transgender students' names and pronouns and access to sports and locker rooms. I hadn't spoken yet. I'm a mom of 11. I took a lot of time to write my speech. I put a lot of heart into it. And then I'm not allowed to speak.
Nope, you're not allowed to speak. You can't sing the Star Spangled Banner. You can't speak. This isn't your school board meeting. I mean, like, what are you under the impression that you you're running the town? <laughs> no, no, no. We run the town. We're on the school board. We care about education. We know best. Get out of here with your opinions and your patriotic music and your, you know, critical race theory problems. We don't want that. We just want to be able to do what we want to do. Towards the end, as people were getting more and more violent, they were standing on chairs and throwing things, and we had to go in to help get people, escort them out of the building and, and make sure that they were safe. Oh, yeah. Maybe it turns out they don't like when they take the time, maybe got a babysitter to come to a public comment session in a public meeting of their school board that they pay taxes to that gets to run their kids education maybe they get a little upset when they take time out of their day to come check up on the school board and the school board declares it an unlawful assembly and kicks them all out maybe they don't like that is that possible i don't know a couple of hours later the school board reconvened to an empty meeting room Oh, okay. Phew. Solved that problem. Thank goodness. Now that's a school board meeting. That's a school board meeting when uh, you can just lock the public out and do what you need to do without having to hear from all those like pesky parents and taxpayers and people like that. Yeah. Keep them out of the school board meetings. Thank heavens. Whew. Lucky Loudoun County School Board. But it turns out that there's a new problem, which is that members of school boards, not everywhere, uh, often in big cities, they're appointed. But in a lot of places, school boards, as it turns out, are elected, elected by the public. You know, the people that they just locked out of the school board meeting because they didn't like the policies that the school board was pursuing. Uh, yeah, that public. They're the ones that get to vote on who's on the school board. So this poses a problem now for the school boards that want to do this stuff because it could be that those people could vote for someone else when it comes to the next election date. Um, and that that's definitely an issue. That's a problem. So, you know, what do you do? It's, it's a scary thought. People could actually, I mean, these crazy people who don't want their kids taught to be racist and don't want their money going to wacky racial and gender ideologies, that these people that pay all these taxes want their schools to be open and their kids allowed to breathe the air in the schools, these crazy people, they might actually decide to run for office themselves. Now, that's a scary thought if you're a liberal in America. That's a really scary thought because those people might run for office. And if you've just sat through a school board meeting where 200 people yelled at you and you made them all leave with the police, they might not be too eager to reelect you. So it could be that one of these crazy people could actually win your spot on the school board. Now, that's a scary thought. It really is. But thankfully, we have the left, the media, our friends at MSNBC and at NBC to explain to us why we can't allow people like this to run for office. We have to take some steps here. Here's Joy Reid the other night. But we begin the readout tonight with the insidious underbelly of the GQP culture war. Right now, in this summer before the next round of elections, Democrats across the country are preparing to run as they would normally run. But whether they realize it or not, they are running headlong into a cultural wood chipper. A cultural wood chipper. They're running into a wood chipper. The GQP has a big wood chipper running to feed Democratic candidates into. 
Okay. I mean, seems a little extreme, but okay. The GQP thing bothers me anyway. It's the, it's the same people who say Trump and say maggot and all. I mean, they have their personal language, but that's okay. We'll let her keep GQP. Because Republicans aren't running an election. They're no. waging an all-out war for power that increasingly is based on and steeped in the Trump cult and even white nationalism. And no matter how reckless and dangerous that is, they're doing it, believing it will move white voters. Look no further than the ongoing hysteria over race-conscious education, what they are shamelessly and falsely misrepresenting as critical race theory. Radicalized parent activists across the country are targeting school boards with behind-the-scenes help from conservative groups. Protesters are swarming those meetings, vowing to revolt against a curriculum they've labeled unacceptable and reverse racist. And leading the charge in this fight is, you guessed it, right-wing media. Yesterday, Fox News mentioned critical race theory more than 100 times before, two, before 1 p.m., before 2 p.m., I should say. And then there's Fox's fear-mongering standard bearer, Tuckum. Tuckums, GQP, Tuckums, Drumpf, uh. who went full 1984, denouncing what he called the greatest threat to our society. Mm. It's civilization ending poison, but it's everywhere. How widespread is it? Well, we can't really be sure until we finally get cameras in the classroom as we put them on the chests of police officers. Civilization ending poison. Yeah, that's right, Joy. It is civilization ending poison. We've seen what happens when we teach kids to be racist in this country, and it didn't work out so well. Haven't you heard about that? I mean, really, it's, I mean, Tucker's right. It's poison, and they want to feed it to our kids. Of course, people are upset, but no, that makes you crazy. That makes you QAnon. You're running for the school board, and you're part of the GQP cult movement, but NBC actually made it more explicit now. QAnon is hatching a plot, they say. QAnon's new plans, says the headline, in the wake of Donald Trump's 2020 election defeat, many QAnon followers have hatched a plan. Run for school board or local office. Spread the gospel of Q, but don't call it QAnon. So you might be wondering then, how exactly do we know that this is their plan? And how do we know that they're QAnon if they're not saying that they're for QAnon? Here we go. And that's what they're trying to do. You see this in California, in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Florida, people running for school board under the banner of QAnon. But again, they're not saying they're Q. They're just pushing those. Uh, they're just pushing those ideologies. Well, yeah, so these new positions, these, though, the, these new jobs that they're they're going after give QAnon followers a pretty powerful voice in their community. So what are some of the biggest issues on their non QAnon but Q agenda? Yeah. What are the policies? What are these QAnon policies? Do they want kids taught about adrenochrome and chemistry class? Do they want kids in social studies being taught that uh, Donald Trump and JFK Jr. might be president in August? Is that what they want? What are the QAnon policies? Tell us. Right. So the big thing with them is masks. They really hate masks. They've hated masks all along. Oh, they hate masks. That's how you tell QAnon people. They don't like masks. Duh, should have known. That means that just all of France, all of England, Germany, their Netherlands, they're all QAnon because they don't require masks in school for kids under 11. Uh, it's absurd. It's absurd that when kids are not at risk from COVID and teachers now 
fully, they've all had the opportunity to be vaccinated now. So they, if they're at risk from COVID now at this point, that's their choice. That's their problem. Staff, everybody. The risk of kids not wearing masks in a school where anybody can be vaccinated who's over the age of 12 is virtually zero. There's no way, there's no way schools should be asking kids to wear masks in the fall. The CDC just put out guidance today as I'm recording this that told us that vaccinated people don't have to wear masks in school anymore. Well, unfortunately, that doesn't include anyone under the age of 12, okay? And it doesn't include people who might not want their kids to be vaccinated for whatever reason. Uh, you know, maybe they're, they have an allergy to the shot. Maybe they've had COVID, so they don't need to be vaccinated. Does that occur to anybody? Plenty of kids have had COVID and have extremely robust immunity to the virus. They're no risk to anybody when they don't wear a mask at school. But does the policy take that into account? No. No, because the policy is based on what the teachers unions want to happen and the teachers unions uh, want to keep making life difficult for everybody so that they don't have to go back to a normal school routine. They want to keep holding it over everyone to go back to school. So good luck to all the parents. If you don't want your kid to wear a mask in school, you're queuing on. It has nothing to do with that study that came out showing how CO2 builds up in the mask after a period of time. And the younger a kid is, the worse it is. And the more they're breathing their own breath back into their face, which comes with a host of problems. It's, it's not healthy. It's not healthy for a kid to wear a mask all day. It's not developmentally appropriate for their social emotional learning to not see other people's faces. It's not appropriate for their craniofacial development. How's their jaw going to develop when they have this thing sitting over their face to not move their face all day? It's There's a host of problems with kids wearing masks all day. They should be out of them. There's such a negligible risk that it's absurd. You might as well have them all wear a life jacket in the school in case of a flood. It's, it's literally that stupid. It's ridiculous. And the fact that the CDC still hasn't lifted the guidance. But no, but no, if you show up at your school board meeting and say you don't want the kids wearing a mask... What does that make you? You're QAnon. You're part of the GQP and you're plotting to take over your local school board. That's you. I know that's all of you out there, all you GQP radicalized parents who spend all your time watching Tuckums on the Fox News channel. That's you. But, uh, you know, at, like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't think anybody on the right is any crazier than the people on the left who believe this wacky stuff about Donald Trump or believe the things that Michael Avenatti was trotting out against Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, if you believe stuff like that, if you're still waiting on Trump to be arrested for his crimes against humanity and you keep thinking that the indictments are coming down any time, that Robert Mueller is going to come out of the wings and do something and SDNY is going to finally get him. We're going to show that he was really in Putin's pocket the whole time. He was the secret Russian asset. If you think that, then you're as crazy as anybody who's in QAnon. That's all. That's all. Uh, the QAnon people aren't any crazier than anybody else as far as I'm concerned. But regardless... Even if you believe in QAnon, I don't care. I think if you think that we shouldn't have critical race theory in our schools, if you think that we shouldn't be forcing people to adhere to whatever wacky gender identity and pronouns of the week we're into, if you think that we shouldn't be forcing little kids to wear masks all day long, then I do think, I do think you need to seriously consider running for your local school board. Uh, usually, at least around here, the elections um, tend to be 
Uh, for towns, they tend to be in the spring. And sometimes for cities, they're in the fall, like when a normal election would be, but oftentimes in the odd years. So it just depends. But you can go to your local town clerk's office. You can find out what the deadlines are to run. You can check in with local groups that do campaigns. Often there's local uh, Republican and Democratic Party outlets. I mean, you can you could be a Democrat and you can run. Those groups can be helpful. If you're not enrolled in a party, you can still reach out to them and see if they have any advice on running for office for sure. Um, but I think everybody should consider getting involved in their school boards. I certainly think that everybody should attend all the school board meetings that they can, whether they're on Zoom or in person or what, and speak out against this stuff. They have to publish the agendas in advance. They have to tell you what topics that they're going to be speaking about. And they have to let you come and talk to them about those topics and tell them what you think. And they deserve to hear from us. It's been too long that our politics has really been focused at this very national level and obsessed with these kind of big issues. Um, you know, Donald Trump, the White House, the filibuster, the Supreme Court. The truth is that stuff doesn't honestly affect your life as much as what your local school board does. Your local school board has a lot of influence over what your kids are going to be around every day, first of all, and on your wallet. Your local school board is hugely powerful on your everyday existence. So if I we could get one thing out of all this if we could get people to care about school board meetings again and be interested in them and hold these elected officials accountable. Even just go watch. Just the knowledge that there's people paying attention and watching them and that they're in a public meeting that people are going to see and hold them accountable. I think it's important that they know that someone's watching that so that they don't just close the room like in Loudoun County and forget that we all exist. It's uh, really... It's really a shame that our local government has gone unnoticed for so long because that's where people get kind of the political experience to know how these things work. First, you run for one of these offices, then you might be ready to run for a state legislature, state senate, a state rep, and then you might be ready to run for something bigger. You don't know. One of the constitutional offices of your state. Who knows? The sky's the limit, really and truly, but a lot of people start off in school boards, on select boards, on city councils. These are things that matter in communities. And a lot of times, you know, you can get involved and know what you're doing and run for office and have a really big impact, a really big impact. Even if you never go anywhere else besides the school board, you can have an impact on the lives of kids in your community. And you can have an impact for, you know, all the taxpayers in the community, all the people that live in your city or town, and maybe even don't have kids in the system. All those people's voices count. They all count. Your voice counts. And I want anybody who's thinking about it, who's frustrated with their school system right now, to try and see if you can figure out ways to get involved and uh, talk to your school board a little bit. Make them know that you're out there and that you're watching them and listening to them. Write them some angry emails. All that stuff is good stuff. So uh, we should start with that. And uh, that's my wisdom for tonight. It's been a fun night. Lots of great school board meetings. It's where all the action happens, right? So I'll leave you with that for tonight. And uh, we'll come back next week. Clouds rolled in and I said, Must have brought the rain from Boston. Chip looked at me and I felt the sun